Hello there, and welcome to episode two of Non-Canonical. I'm Christopher Schroff, your host and resident storyteller, and I just wanted to thank everyone who listened to episode one and liked it and enjoyed it, and everyone who rated it on iTunes, gave me five stars, that helps out a whole bunch, and I'd like to ask everyone to do that. Um, I also want to let everyone know that they can follow me on Twitter and Instagram, at Schroffenstein, I'll put that in the description so that you can spell it correctly. And the last thing is I just wanted to let everyone know that if they wanted to support me, you could go to patreon.com slash noncanonical. There should be a link to that in the description as well. Thank you. Um, I hope you all enjoy the red house with the green roof. Your vision is a blur. Through the haziness, however, you can see splashes of color. Greens, blues, reds. And as your vision begins to focus, you begin to see the outline of what is undoubtedly a house. A red brick house with two circular windows to each side of an untarnished white door that is placed directly in the center of the wall. As you look upward, you see a steep, green tiled roof. You gaze even further up, and you see a single dark cloud looming directly above the house, surrounded by a seemingly infinite span of bright blue sky. The air around you is that perfect temperature. It is neither cold nor hot. It is simply perfect. Each breath you take seems to be more refreshing than the last. You simply exist for a moment in this harmony. Flowers are blooming all around you, and you can smell the blend of scents mixing in the air. You tilt your head back for a moment as you breathe deeply, and when you raise your head back up, the door to the house is open. There is no one standing in the doorway, and to your knowledge, no one had walked out. Surely not. Your head was only down for five, maybe six seconds. You start moving forward. Perhaps curiosity has just gotten the best of you, or maybe you became worried that something had happened inside the house. Nevertheless, something drives you forward. As you become closer, you begin to see and hear the light pitter-patter of rainfall around you. It starts with a light sprinkle, but you can feel that soon enough it will begin to pour. You rush forward in need of a shelter. And before you know it, you are inside a stranger's house. In contrast to the pristine exterior of the house, the inside is a complete mess. Directly in front of you, there are muddy footprints imprinted in a once completely white carpet trailing off in several different directions. Towards the kitchen, the living room, and down a dimly lit hallway. To your left, you see the house's kitchen. The counters are covered in piles of dishes with smears of old food. In the middle of the kitchen is a beautiful wooden table with four chairs around it. Again, covered with plates and the remains of sandwiches and chips. What amazes you about this place is that you can still see the beauty of this house even with this un unbelievable mess. Each wall is painted a separate, distinct, bright color. Also on each wall hangs two beautiful paintings. 
Every one of these paintings appear to contain each and every hue and shade of every color. You swear that if you were to stare too long at one of these paintings, you could become mesmerized. You move towards the living room in hopes to find some evidence of what could have happened here. There is a beautiful white couch. In front of the couch sits a small glass coffee table. On top of it are several magazines with pages torn out of them. The torn out pages look as though someone has messily smeared paint on them. On the bright yellow wall to the right of you is one of the two windows you saw from outside. Under the window is another small table. On top of it sits a radio. You attempt to turn it on, but all you hear is static. You turn it back off. There is no television in the living room. There is no computer, no telephone. There's only one radio for entertainment, and it doesn't even work. At this point, something is telling you to leave. The house looks abandoned. What more could you hope to do? At least, that's what you tried to tell yourself. There is this feeling, though, pulling at you. Something isn't right here, that's for sure. But you aren't about to just turn around and forget about it. You press on. You begin to walk down the hallway, which is dimly lit due to one of the two lights overhead being out. The paintings hanging on the walls of the hallway appear to be painted differently. The others in the house that you've seen were abstract and extremely colorful. These paintings aren't necessarily dark, but they are unexplainably realistic. One is of an apple tree with a rainbow stretching behind it. Another is of a bowl of fruit sitting on that beautiful wooden table you saw in the kitchen. These paintings appear as though they are photographs, and you'd believe they were if it weren't for the subtle brushstrokes you can see whenever you lean in close enough. A few steps down the hallway, and you reach a door to your right. You reach for the doorknob to turn it. For a moment, the door isn't actually there. When your hand is supposed to grab the doorknob, it hits flat wall. A half a second later, and your hand is grasped around the knob. The metal is cold to your skin. As you open the door, the hinges creak, and dust is stirred in the room. This room, like every other room you've seen in the house, has four brightly colored walls. In the center is a large bed. Above the head of the bed is a portrait of what appears to be a family. A man, likely in his mid-thirties with blonde hair, a thick mustache and brown eyes stands to the left of a woman around the same age with long brown hair and hazel green eyes. Between them is a young boy. The child, by your estimate, is around the age of six or seven. He has the woman's hazel green eyes and the man's blonde hair. They are all wearing nice clothes, the boy even wearing a small vest. Around the bed, you can see several pieces of canvas and paintings, some finished, others still in progress. One finished painting that is still on an easel catches your eye. You move closer to examine it completely. It is as realistic as those hanging in the hallway. What is depicted on the canvas is a red brick house with a steep green roof. It is almost the exact same view you had begun with outside except for two distinct differences. 
Above the house, there is no dark cloud, and outside of the house, directly in front of the door, is a young boy with blonde hair wearing a vest. His right hand is up, as if he was reaching for something. As you're staring down at this painting, unable to take your eyes away, a sound comes from outside of the room, sending a shiver down your spine. You hear the subtle creaking of a door opening and closing, and then a few light footsteps, and then silence. You turn away from the painting and move towards the hallway. You poke your head out of the doorway, and in the living room, you see a boy sitting in front of the radio as if he's waiting for something. You walk down the hallway towards him. He is, of course, the boy from the painting and the portrait. He wears the same vest, though it is worn and torn, has the same hair, though it is unclean and thick with grease. And as you move around him, see that he has those warming hazel green eyes. He appears to be soaking wet from the rain outside. You see his feet caked with mud. On his face is a melancholy look of anticipation. He stands up in front of the radio, turns it on, and sits back down in front of it. You hear static, as you did before, but it soon begins to fade. In its place is a woman's voice humming faintly. The boy's head pokes up. A smile appears on his face. Mommy? His grin widens from ear to ear, and he sits still, listening. The tune she hums is beautiful, and for a moment, you think you recognize the song. A song that you're almost sure you heard in your own childhood. The mother's voice trails off at the end, and you hear the sound of a door opening from the radio, and then a man's tired voice. Rachel, what are you doing? The boy's eyes widen in awe. Daddy? The woman replies to the man. He... He can hear me. I know it. I know you want him back, Rachel. I do too. But you have to forget this idea that he's trapped somewhere. The woman cuts him off. Damn it, Jonathan. He is trapped. You can hear the quivering in her voice as she begins to cry. Why can't, why can't you believe me? I, I can feel him in here. She taps on something, but you can't determine exactly what it is through the sound. Jesus, Rachel, you want me to believe that our boy is trapped in one of your, your paintings? Do you understand how insane you sound? By this point, the boy has rested his arms and his head on his knees and begun to cry. It's true, John. Look into this and speak to him. Try it. You'll see, you'll believe me. I, I can't do this right now, Rach. You hear footsteps and a door slams a few moments later. You hear a shaken whisper from the woman. I, I know you're in there, Charlie. The boy raises his head and wipes tears from his cheeks. I'll, I'll take care of you. The boy looks to the radio and says, I love you, Mommy. The static begins to fade back in, and as it does, the paintings on the walls begin to shake as if an earthquake were occurring. But the ground is not shaking. You look at the boy, 
expecting him to be panicking, but he appears completely calm, simply staring at the radio. You approach the painting closest to you, an abstract one covered with dashes and smears of every color possible. You see movement from within the painting. You see a woman putting brush to canvas. She is noticeably upset, with her hand trembling, her hair a mess. All around her are small paintings of what appear to be Charlie, the boy. A faint echo emanates from this colorful scene before you. I'll take care of you. I'll take care of you. I will take care of you. The scene fades away, and the shaking subsides. You turn around and notice Charlie is no longer sitting in front of the radio. You move to where he was sitting and see small, muddy footprints leading to the kitchen, and you follow them. Charlie is sitting at the dinner table. In front of him is a brand new sandwich, peanut butter and jelly from the looks of it, and a full glass of bubbling soda. He scarfs down the sandwich as if he hadn't eaten in days, and washes it down with the soda in a few large gulps. With a loud, almost echoing burp, he stands and begins to walk away. You follow him. He walks down the dimly lit hallway, tracking more mud into the once white carpet. He passes the bedroom you investigated, and turns his head to look inside for a brief moment. He turns away refusing to look any longer. He moves onwards, towards the door at the end of the hall. On the door is an obviously homemade sign that reads, Charlie's Room, Keep Out. The boy reaches for his doorknob, turns it, and pushes it open. The first thing you see as you follow Charlie inside the room is the hundreds of paper that are taped to the wall in the room. The pages appear to be from magazines, these pages don't look as though they were randomly placed on these walls. They are meticulously positioned so that they all line up with one another, leaving no cracks in between them. Because of this, you cannot see any colors on the walls. The wall directly in front of you has paint brushed onto the pages. There are two large stick figures holding hands. A smaller stick figure is drawn to the left of them, its right arm outstretched towards the two next to him. Above these figures is a painted in large letters, I'm ready to come home now. Each word is a separate bright color. Ready is misspelled, and each word swaps between capital and lowercase letters in random places. You turn, and the boy is now sitting on a bed that is placed against the wall to the right of the doorway. On the wall is a window with bright green colors drawn over it. The curtains appear to block out any light that could pour in from outside. The boy stands up on the bed and opens the curtains. A flood of light shimmers through the window in a blinding flash. As your eyes adjust, you see that the window has a small lock keeping it from being opened. Just outside the window, bars are mounted to the wall. The boy just stands there, staring outside through the window. The rain appears to be softening, but not stopping. A moment later, and the boy jumps off of his bed onto the floor and runs out of the room with determination. You follow him down the hallway, to the living room, and out the front door to the yard. You see him slam against a tall, chain fence to the left of the house, trying to stretch his hands through the small gaps. The fence, you notice, is actually surrounding the entire perimeter of the house, 
something you don't remember seeing before. In stark contrast to the brightly colored house, the fence is a dark, cold gray. You approach Charlie and look past the fence with him. What you see is red house after red house, green roof after green roof, blue sky after blue sky. None of these other houses have a fence, but what they do have are people. Each and every other home has a blonde-haired man, a brown-haired woman, and a small, blonde-haired boy with hazel-green eyes.